you were noticing that worship was particularly passionate, maybe some of it was because two of our worship leaders got engaged this weekend. So uh, we're, there they are in the very back, Owen, Delin, congratulations. We're so happy for you. May God bless you richly in your engagement. It was also, I think, Ridge's first time to lead worship since he's been married. So Ridge and Bryce, thanks for sharing them with us this morning, Bryce. And uh, we had a great uh, wedding last weekend with, with Aaron and Audrey Dykstra. And that was awesome. And then one of our missionaries just got engaged on the field. So I just said, man, if you need to get engaged, start serving at All People's Church. And uh, can't guarantee you, but it, I think we might have a higher percentage than online dating apps. So, Hey, turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. I'm excited to start a new series entitled Increase. And God wants to bring increase to his people. I was reminded this week of the movie that came out several years ago called Dunkirk and how it brought to this generation's consciousness and understanding of that pivotal moment in World War II where Hitler's Third Reich had started a blitzkrieg against the southern countries of Europe. And it looked like things were all over. It looked like it would be the end of the Allied forces as they were forced up against the English Channel. Some 400,000 lives looked like they'd certainly be lost. And that's when King George of England, understanding that things looked hopeless, called a day of prayer in Great Britain. And it says that the, the church is just filled with people flooding to the, the sanctuaries all across England to pray. And then Winston Churchill did something interesting. He called upon ordinary citizens to jump in to a great rescue, to jump into a great rescue. And many of you know what happened May 10th, 1940. They chronicled several miracles. The first was a great fury, a great storm descended upon the Third Reich's uh, military and specifically on their air force. And so all the planes were grounded. Something else interesting happened is the English Channel, which is known for its rough waters, had a, a unique calm settle upon it. And then what was remarkable is how many ordinary citizens, everyone that had any kind of sailing vessel, from a sailboat to a motorboat, a tugboat to a yacht, every ordinary citizen was enlisted. And so there was a great increase in the number of ships that went on this rescue mission. It went just from the, the great military ships that were really not enough to save the army to 800 private vessels. And in one day or, or, or around that amount of time, an army of 400,000 people were removed and historians chronicle that that was the turning point in the war. I've heard many pastors talk about the power of prayer and those miracles, those miracles of nature that happened, the great storm that came upon the Third Reich, the great calm that came upon the English Channel. But I think equally amazing is the supernatural increase of the response of ordinary people to be enlisted in the rescue mission. You know, whenever God wants to move upon the earth in dark times, he calls his people to increase. Before we even had the great commission in Matthew 28, we had the original mandate 
which is found in Genesis 1 that I want you to look at with me. It says this, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living thing and creature that moves on the ground. God's original mandate was increase. God's original mandate to his people was increase. And you see these four points. Be fruitful. Increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Point one today, I encourage you to take notes. I have four points Point one is this, God's strategy is increase. When we read it in Genesis 1, that he says to Adam and Eve, increase, and so we're thinking, well, there's just two people on the earth. God just wanted more people. But what I want to prove to you is that through Genesis, this is one of the great themes that God speaks to people when he's calling them out. So we don't just see it in Adam and Eve. We move on to Genesis 9-1, and I want you to help me out when you see this in Scripture. Say it out loud. It says this, then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, be fruitful and... Increase in number and fill the earth. Genesis 9, 7, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. And so you think, well, that's Noah. Noah's a righteous guy. He's chosen. Well, how about this? God jumps from just his Jewish people and he moves to an Egyptian slave. You see, anytime someone starts calling out to God, he says, one of the things I want to do in your life is do more than you can ask or imagine. I want to increase you. So look in the life of Hagar. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress, submit to her. The angel added, I will increase. Oh, I like that. I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Then, of course, he says it to Abraham, the father of faith, when Abram was 99 years old. And someone needs to write that down because you're never too old to be used by God. Never too old to increase. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and you will greatly increase in numbers. Then how about to Ishmael? Many people think of, of Ishmael and think, oh, he was a mistake. That was, that was out, of, uh, out of man's attempt, but God sees him. And God says, I have a plan. And his mom cried out for him. This is a good word for some parents today. She calls out to him and it says, as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will surely bless him. I'll make him fruitful and I will greatly increase his numbers. Then to Rebekah. I love this. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, our sister, may you increase thousands upon thousands, or the ESV says thousands of 10,000s. The King James Version says thousands of millions. May you increase. I love this scripture because as we were starting this year, God started speaking to prophetic voices in our church's life and said, this is the call of God to increase. You might remember that Kendall had that and preached the first sermon of the year on increase. But then God sent Joe Ewan on our board, the prophetic minister from Scotland, and he had this specific verse out of the life of Rebecca. May you increase from thousands to thousands. Then he sent someone else from Malaysia who gave us this scripture and said, may you increase upon thousands on thousands. It doesn't take a rocket scientist when you get the same verse from two different countries on the earth sent to the same church that God is wanting to do something. I love this. It keeps going to Isaac. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I'll bless you and I will increase the number of your descendants. 
Isaac says it to Jacob, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of people. Listen to this. It says, Jacob to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me and said, I'm going to make you fruitful and increase your numbers. Jacob says it to his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh, the angel who has delivered me from harm. May he bless these boys. May they be called by name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on earth. And then it skips to a people. So we were thinking, well, maybe it's just to certain individuals. God skips and shows that this is actually on his people. Now, the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased. They increased greatly in number. Now, I want you to see that because they actually increased in Egypt. And what I find, and especially in this modern day we're living, is that many people think that the ingredients or the environment has to be perfect for them in order to increase. And yet we see the story of the people of God increasing in an antagonistic society. In an antagonistic society. This brings me to point number two. God increases his people in dark times. God's plan is to increase his people in dark times. Let's look at Exodus. Will you turn with me now? We were in Genesis 1. Will you move to Exodus 1? I want to give you a theology of increase. I want you to understand, people of God, how God works in dark times. Because too many times we're making excuses. Too many times we look at our situations and say, well, it can't happen now. This, this place, it's not gonna happen now. The leadership, it's not gonna happen now. My job situation, it's not gonna happen now. But look at what scripture says. It says, these are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, and he gives all their names. Then it says this, Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly and increased in numbers and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Now I want you to, to, to look at this. Then it says this, then a new king, this is verse eight, to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they'll become even more numerous. If war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. Let me propose to you that this is what is going on in our nation. This is what is going on in our state. And so I'm hearing so many Christians say, man, I can't thrive here because of leadership. I can't thrive. The laws that are being passed, they're oppressive. Christians are, are, are being mistreated here. And so we can't increase here. And what I want you to see is in a time when the, when the people of God had moved into Egypt, talk about a hard leader. This leader actually thought he was God. This, this leader, he could execute anyone he wanted. He forced the people into slavery, and they built buildings just to worship foreign gods, and, and sexuality was absolutely out of control. But what happened? God's hand was on his people. 
and they multiplied. And they increased in number. Can I tell you, God's strategy is to increase his people in dark times. Here's what concerns me. This is what's concerning me in the day we live, is I see three types of Christians. Three different types of of Christians responding to hard times, responding to rough leadership, responding to oppression, responding to a godless culture. Uh, I've given these three names, uh, so, so just humor me for a minute as I unpack three different types of Christians. See if you know any. See if you kind of have the tendency to lean towards some of them. The first one I call bomb shelter Christians. What's that type of Christian? Man, they're, they're like, the, the world's falling apart. We're about to die. Everyone's coming against us. Go and hide. And so they go and... and, and in their proverbial bomb shelter, and, and they just go in and they watch their, their news and they're real good at saying how bad everything is. And so they're just like, I'm just gonna go hide and, and say the world is going to hell in a handbasket and just come and save us, Jesus, right? I'm, I'm shutting the blinds, I'm turning off the lights, and if I can just hold on, you know, if I can just store up enough food to make it through, whatever's gonna happen. They're bomb shelter Christians. Here's another group I see. I call them the fleeing Christians. Right, they're like, it's just too hard, right? There's, there's bad leadership, the laws that are being passed, the, 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 the prices, the gas prices. Ooh, and there's all, I can get a lot more square footage if I move here, right? I can have a lot easier if I, I can just, it, it's kind of like a, a horse but put out to pasture, right? I can just sit out in the field, no one will bother me, I can just live my life. And so they're fleeing Christians. I've seen so many Christians leaving the battleground and moving out to pasture. Thirdly, angry Christians, okay? Which, which one can you relate to? This one might more be me naturally. The angry Christians, they're like, the world's coming at us, I'm coming back at them, right? You slap me, I slap you back, right? You say something mean, I am gonna, I am gonna tweet something that is gonna hurt you. I am I'm gonna post an Instagram picture that's gonna just take you, right? They're, they're the angry, and, and at their worst, they're like, hey, you come at us, I'm getting my gun, and you come, I'll kill you in Jesus' name. <laughs> and, 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 and none of these bomb shelter Christians, right? You never see Jesus saying, go into all nations and hide, right? You, you, you never, you, you, don't, you don't see Jesus saying the nations are lost, so run the other way. You, you, you never, and you certainly never see him when your enemy slaps you, slap him back, right? This isn't the way. So what is, what is the way of Jesus? I believe Jesus is calling for a fourth type of Christian, and that is an increase. Christian, say increase. increase. You're called to increase. We're called to increase. We're called to be fruitful, to increase in number, to fill every part of the earth and subdue it. That's what I love about this Genesis 24 when the, the brothers are talking to Rebecca and they say, sister, you're called to be thousands upon ten thousands. Imagine, people of God, imagine San Diego and the next Jesus movement hitting again and thousands upon thousands of God-loving Christians in the neighborhoods, on the parks, in the schools, in the workplaces, on the beaches, loving people, caring for people, ministering to people, honoring people. Imagine what that looks like. And it says this, and your descendants will take the gates of the enemies. 
Right? We're called to fill the earth and bring the change that we so desire to see. Point three. Point three is this. God blesses those who help his people increase. You're not just called to increase. You're called to help people increase. You're actually called to help. You're called to look at your neighbor who's a struggling Christian and say, how can I help you be more fruitful? How can I help you increase? We're called, like Nick, one of our youth pastors talked about, we're called to help the next generation increase. Says this, so we're back. It says, the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in bricks and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, okay, I want you to really pay attention here to what happens with these midwives. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives whose names were Shipra and Puah, okay, awesome names. Someone just found the name for their upcoming daughter, right, some pregnant woman, grab onto this. Puah, when you're helping, this is what Pharaoh says, when you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that that baby is a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not know what, did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Okay, let, let me just make two quick points. The enemy always brings a culture of death. The enemy always wants to kill the next generation. The enemy wants to kill babies. The enemy wants to kill young kids. He's gonna look for every way to do that. We talked about several weeks ago, there was a great move of God called the Jesus Movement that started in 1967. It was, it was crescendoing in 72, and what happens in 73, Roe versus Wade is passed, and abortion starts, it goes, if you look at the numbers, it spiked to millions upon millions. Why? Because the enemy hates for people to multiply. It's never been his intent, okay? And so, and, and, and whenever you see the enemy also coming, he also confuses gender. Now, let me be very clear. We love people. If you've had an abortion, we love you. God forgives you. If gender has been confusing, we love you. We care about you. But what I'm trying to highlight is the enemy tries to bring confusion and destruction. That's what he tries to do. So what did the midwives do? I want you to key in on what the midwives do because I wanna propose to you today that you're called to be a spiritual midwife. Okay, you're called, look at your neighbor say, you're called to be a midwife. Okay, and this is hard for me because I can barely make it through the birth of my own kids. Like, you know, y'all have heard me talk about this. Like I, 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 I like run to the restroom, be throwing up. Childbirth is messy. It's, it's kind of gross, right? So I, helping the body of Christ grow, it's gonna be messy. Helping young Christians, it's messy, right? But you're called to be a spiritual midwife. And what does a spiritual midwife do? A spiritual midwife doesn't fear evil. So this Pharaoh, he has the power, he calls. Can you imagine like Pharaoh's calling in, you know, okay, I now call in the head of state of of Syria, and now I call in the head of state uh, and these different countries, and now we call in the midwives, right? And Pua and Shipra come, and he's like, don't let these babies be born. And, and, and what do they do? It says, no, they feared God. 
Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives. It says they let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? I'm sure that Pua and Shipra, these little midwives, they're looking at all these heads of state that are coming in. They're probably seeing Pharaoh execute people, and they're like, oh my goodness, what's gonna happen to us? The midwives answered, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. They were like, my women, they are strong, right? I'm looking at some strong women today, right? So God, this is what I want you to see. I want you to highlight this phrase. So God was kind to the midwives. Can I tell you, when you start living your life for other people, not just trying to, to find comfort, when you actually start risking your life to help the people of God be fruitful, to increase, to fill the earth, to subdue it, you start making your life about building up the church. You start making your life about helping Christians advance, God's gonna be kind to you. It says this, so God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. This is God's heart for this dark time in our state, in our nation, in our world. And God's saying, but who's willing to be a non-fearing midwife? Can't wait till next week people show up with shirts, I'm a non-fearing midwife. <laughs> and because the midwives fear God, he gave them families of their own. What if instead of just trying to run after our own fame, fortune, comfort, we started looking at the needs of others and trusted the laws of scripture that as we look to the needs of others, God would actually give you what you actually wanted and desired. I think that's actually what scripture says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all the other things will be added to you. God's not saying, hey, it's wrong to, to want those things. God put desires in your heart. But our goal is to do life his way and then he says, then I'll provide for you. You serve others and I'll take care of you. I was, uh, I was talking to this awesome Christian businessman from another church this week, and, and, and he, said, he said this interesting thing to me because he had just been promoted and in, in given all this new responsibility, and I was just saying, man, that is so awesome, and I'm so glad you're put here. And he goes, well, this happened when I made the decision that I'm not leaving California. He goes, the young generation, they need to see a model of someone who will stand and overcome. I thought, man, that is powerful. And so he said, so I'm staying, and I'm going to fight, and I'm going to see God move in, in our generation. And I just said, amen, because here, here is the thing. What kind of legacy do you want to leave for your children? Things get hard, and so we run. Things get hard, and so we hide. Or things get hard, and we trust in God. Things get hard, and so we cling to him. Let me tell you, the greatest legacy you can give, the greatest gift you can give to your kids is not safety, it's faith. Can I just say that again? The greatest gift you can give your kids is not safety and comfort. It's faith and character. Those of faith, they overcome the world. When we persevere and character, then God says you're faithful and little, you'll be ruler over much. God is looking for a people who want to be fruitful, to increase, to fill the earth, and to extend his kingdom. I saw this 
in my grandfather. I saw this in my grandfather. My, my grandfather's father, my great-grandfather, was an orphan. He tragically lost both his parents. And I know some of you growing up and listening to me today, you're like, man, I, ha- I have not been given a good deck of cards. I have, my hand has not been fair. That was my, my great-grandfather's hand that he was dealt. He was an orphan. He was poor. And so he had the opportunity to go off to a different place and be taken care of. But he had this thought of, you know what? I'm called to a certain city. And so he went to this tiny little town. It's the town I grew up in. And there he worked hard and, and he always lived for others. He, he joined this church and, and he gave his life to Jesus and he raised his family in this church. And then he started serving in things like the school board. He started serving in these different ways. My grandfather watched his dad, who was an orphan, and he saw that work ethic. And he understood the calling of the people of God is to be fruitful and to increase. And so my grandfather started trying to start businesses. Well, the first business he, he, start, he tried to, to do was a frog farm. And none of the frogs reproduced. So that was a fail. There's all these stories about the businesses that he tried and just kept failing. But he knew, he knew from Scripture that God has called me to be fruitful. And so he finally sold his first car. And he made some money, he bought two cars, he sold them. He finally sold so many cars that he started a car dealership. And then here's what he saw. He said, you know, instead of just hiring my friends, I'm gonna hire people in the community that don't have connections so I can uplift them. And you know what happened when he did that? God started blessing him. God just started blessing him. He became the, the youngest Chevy car dealer uh, in history to, get a, uh, to uh, get a franchise. And then he had all these people working for him and they were living in the slums. They were living in awful parts of town. And he said, that's not right. They're getting scalped by slumlords. So I'm gonna get, actually get a piece of land and help them own their own single residences. And so he did that for them. You know what happened after that? He was able, God blessed him more. He was able to buy a big piece of land. On that land, they find this massive source of water. You're like, wow, water. You can make a lot of money off, off water. You know what he did? He said, I'm gonna donate that to the city. So he donated that to the city because he said, a city needs to be blessed. I don't wanna just live for my prosperity. I wanna bless this city. So God keeps blessing him. He ends up giving two-thirds of his land away to start a children's home because these different kids from school would come home with my uncle and he saw that they were orphans. So he starts a children's home, but God gives him a unique strategy. Can I tell you, God wants to give unique strategies to the people of God. Why do I always talk to you about spending face time, spending time with God? It's not so you can check off some religious box. What I found is that God gives creative strategies for business, for finance, for, for schooling, for medicine. So he gave him a strategy of don't build large buildings, institutional buildings, build little homes Hire fathers and mothers who will raise these orphans with their own kids. I want to tell you, in my region that I grew up in, thousands of kids made it into healthy adulthood because they were raised in families at the Texas Baptist Children's Home in homes. Thousands became very successful business owners and and community leaders. My grandfather would go on to be the, the mayor of the city. So from an orphan to a mayor in one generation. And he set up the city for prosperity. It became the number two fastest growing city in the nation. I want to tell you, God wants to find people in this congregation and do things like that. 
that you think, man, I can barely survive because I'm an orphan. And he says, no, I'm implanting increase and fruitfulness for the blessing of many. Because every time a society gets dark, his strategy is to increase. His strategy is to enlist normal people and transform society. Point four, this is my last point. God uses increase to transform every sphere of society. Remember Genesis chapter 24. May you increase on thousands to ten thousands, and may you possess the gates of the enemies. Gates are spheres of society. Have you had this experience before? Have you, have you gone and worked with a business and been cheated? Have you had that experience before? How about this? How many people have tried to buy a house in San Diego? 11 o'clock service, raise your hand. There were, maybe everyone was in the 9 o'clock. No, there's a good number of you. Have you tried to buy a house and then been cheated? That's what happened to me my first three houses we tried to buy. And then we started working with a, a, a wonderful godly realtor and dealing with godly Christians. Have you ever been working with a company and they, they had a claim and then they totally didn't live up to that and you were like, this is all about money. And then you start working with these, a, a, a true Christian, not just someone who says they're a Christian, a true Christian and you all of a sudden find out, wow, they, they'd even be willing to go the extra mile, even take a loss to make things right. I was talking to, to, to Jean Vier, he's, he's translating right now for us about working in his hospital. And he said during COVID, he said there were, there were some people that, that people would die. So there, people were dying and they said that, that there were some people that had just no regard for bodies and they were just throwing them, stacking them and, and taking them to furnaces. And he said, we couldn't do that. Our group couldn't do that because we are Christians. So we have a value for the dignity of human life. You know, God wants to put people in every gate, in every sphere of society. Because when God puts Christians there, they have the attitude of Jesus who said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and lay down his life. And so when God puts people in car dealerships like that, you're not worried about getting hosed by, by, a, by a, a fast smooth-talking car person. Instead, you're like, I can trust them. How about in real estate? I'm so thankful for my godly realtor who was worked so hard and so sacrificially to put us in an amazing home with the supernatural favor of God. It was an incredible breakthrough you've heard me talk about. How about medicine? How about the doctors in this church that actually lay hands on people and will actually pray for them and use their incredible wisdom. How about teachers? I've heard of teachers in this church that come in and kids can't afford supplies, so out of their own pocket, they pay for the kids' supplies. They give kids extra hours and, and don't even get paid for it. They're sharing the gospel. We need people in every sphere of society. Let me just give you a, a couple thoughts as we move towards a conclusion. Do you know that it's these incredible breakthroughs that have brought the betterment of society have come from the people of God, like public education. You know, it was Christians that thought of spreading out education from just the ruling class to the ordinary person. Literacy programs, that came from Christians saying every person should be able to read, right? The middle class actually having wealth, that came from Christians believing 
that God cared about every person, not just the elite. How about the ending of slavery? Hello? William Wilberforce, a strong Christian, fighting tirelessly in the halls of parliament for the abolishment of slavery. How about feeding programs, orphanages, care for refugees, and, and a gazillion scientific breakthroughs? Sometimes people think, well, science is on one side and faith is on the other side. Um, I encourage you to look at science throughout history. Isaac Newton, the law of gravity and motion, strong believer. Blaise Pascal, the probability theory, hydraulic press, mechanical calculator, strong Christian. Florence Nightingale, the invention of modern day nursing. Ernest Walton, the splitting of the atom, laying the groundwork for nuclear energy. Samuel Morris, the single wire telegraph, Morse code. George Washington Carver, transforming the agricultural economy of the United States. Mendel, the founder of the science of genetics. I could go on and on and on. God wants to birth in you fruitfulness for your sphere. And God wants to multiply you to change your neighborhood, your workplace, and this city around us. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of those who hate you. Let me end with this story. And I promise this is where I'm ending. I've said that so many times. Um, my daughter's going off to college, not this week, next week. Uh, so I might be a, a crybaby for the next uh, several weeks preaching to you. Um, but we were at her freshman orientation, and her roommate is a PK, a, a pastor's kid. She's from Sacramento, and she had gone to public school uh, her whole high school career. And so I'm asking her, so was that hard? Because I'm looking at this amazing young woman who's talking about loving Jesus. I said, was that hard going to this public school? And she said this. She goes, no, it wasn't, because my church has had such a profound impact on this school. She goes, there are scores of kids who love God and are living morally. They're not in the party scene, and they're great people. And I went, Amen. Amen, that is how it should be. This 30-year-old this church in Granite Bay that has had such a profound impact that there is a great group of kids that aren't living for sex and drugs and aren't having this culture of just cutting each other down and all kinds of immorality and abase thinking, but instead she said, I have great friends. I said, yes, let that be. We're 15 years old. I'm like, man, at, at, when we hit our 30-year anniversary of our church, I'm just hoping that people say, it was easy being at Helix High School because there were so many kids from all people's church that just loved God and stood for him and lived moral and godly lives. May it be for Grossmont High School. May it be for, for, for Crawford High School. May it be for Patrick Henry. May it be for all the schools. May it be for Hoover uh, High School and, and Horace Mann Middle School that so many would say, no, that there are so many kids that love Jesus that it wasn't hard to turn away from the darkness and the culture of violence and the culture of sensuality and the culture of drugs, but we actually lived to help other people, to care for people, to be a bright light in our generation. That's what God wants to do in this generation. Would you stand up with me?